Ja, ja, denk dan! Wit is drama. Wit is drama. Wit is drama. Building bridges. Come on, come on, come on, come on, You're good to go. Welcome to Building Bridges. I'm Sebi. I'm Jan. And I'm Dave. And this is a Eurovision podcast for the rest of us. So today we're going to take a look back at Torino 2022 at the Eurovision Song Contest held in Italy last year. Yeah, because we're in, in the middle of national final season now. But before we take a look at that and give you our thoughts and opinions, we thought we'd go back and look at what happened in May in uh, Torino. So guys, we were all at the turquoise carpets. So what stood out to you, Sebi, while we were there at the beautiful Palazzo Venaria Reale? Oh, it was beautiful. I couldn't believe it. Um, overall, a very nice experience. And most of the artists were really friendly and really nice. So who did you get to talk to? I cannot list them all, like almost everyone. Uh, right. So what was your best moment? Well, I have several ones. I think my very best moment was when I was talking to Monica Lu from Lithuania. And I was just asking her a question or two for an interview. And then she looked at me and said, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you have my vote. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need much for that. Yeah. No. And what about you, Jan? Well, I mean, I have to say I have been to many opening ceremonies in the past well not that many but like i i've I've been to a few but i have to say this one was surprisingly one of the best ones but maybe just because it was so i remember the weather what once we got there the weather was super nice super sunny before we headed to to the um, opening ceremony, there was this, we had this nice walk throughout this beautiful Italian streets. And um, I know that Slovenian uh, booth was luckily at the very beginning. So I could, I was able to, you know, get and reach all the artists saying hi to them. Um, if I would say what's my favorite moment from the opening ceremony was probably talking to Cornelia Jacobs because it, was so I felt in a way that it wasn't like really an, an interview or like taking a statement it was pretty much you know a conversation I, I I still sometimes listen to that clip because it really felt more like a friendly chat more than like an interview she was wearing this amazing you know black dress if you guys don't remember just google that and you will Oh, it was um, very, it was very see-through. Yeah. I remember that. It yeah. was amazing, <laughs> and she knew how to wear it, you know. And I, I'm, I'm not a fashion person though, but I really admired the way how she was wearing it. Um, also, one of the funniest moments I would say was um, when the Serbian delegation was walking by, and rain just started to to fall, and and they really didn't know where to go, and then just you know I had to take some statements as well, and and she just came out under this little roof we had you know and she was like oh god you're so tall <laughs> it's unbelievable <laughs> and i remember that she said oh it's so great not to use like english for a few seconds for a first time since we're here uh there, there has been there has been like so many great moments and i really enjoyed it like in all even though it was super long event uh, throughout the whole day but i think it was all worth it 
It was a very long day. I remember the rain very well because uh, someone was late because someone was uh, a bit tired and cranky and uh, decided to take the city bus out to the palace and uh, got there just as the rain shower hit. And I was talking to Brooke from Ireland. And of course, Moroccan oil shows up and they start handing out all these umbrellas and she takes the umbrella and her little dress that she had on. She starts twirling around (laughs) and her ponytail was going. She loved it. Stefan from Estonia, not so much, but Brooke loved it. I think the the atmosphere was like super nice and friendly. So this is why what made it like such a great event at the end. They were all, yeah, all the artists were really, really relaxed. And Dave, do you want to talk about what you told Brooke on the carpet? I told her I'm from a very Irish heritage part of Canada. And technically it's the closest point to Europe is where I am literally staring across from Ireland. She had never heard of it before. And she was stunned that there were Canadians with Irish heritage. (laughs) She had no idea. There was this connection immediately, right? (laughs) Yeah, I thought it would be a nice connection with her, but she was just baffled. So I tried, I failed, but that's all you can do. (laughs) Oh my, that happens. (laughs) Yeah, that happens a lot, yeah. But I think for me it was Latvia, meaning Sitizeni. Because as soon as they found out I was Canadian, they were like, oh, my God, a Canadian. They jumped on top of me. I got a fantastic picture with them. They were they were right. I think that was the highlight for me. And it was still raining when we spoke to them. Yeah, they were so nice. Or maybe it was Vladana when it started raining and she said, I like to get wet. Yeah, that was know. a nice response. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If there was a nice thing about Latvian delegation last year, it was they were like all over the place, but not in a way that they, they would get you like annoyed or whatever. But they just brought this positive energy, which was amazing. Yeah, also, you saw them. It was they, like, oh my god, Latvia is coming. Yes, yes, and their energy was was like really, really fantastic. And I, I think there was this one day they had this. I think it was after they didn't qualify for the grand final, and they performed somewhere on the main square in Torino in front of some cafe. And there was this huge bunch of people, you know, just singing their song. And I think for the musicians, this is something they're dreaming about, you know, like, so they can, they, so they can go, you know, have a platform internationally and they have some international fans singing their music. And I think at the end of the day, they couldn't even care less about not being qualified, just like being embraced by the public, which was probably, you know, Mark checked. And Sub Wolfer did the same thing. We got caught in another rainstorm in another piazza waiting for Sub Wolfer to show up. Yeah. I think uh, I think Torino as a city was a good choice for Italy. Definitely. Uh, it was a good size. The city seemed to embrace, well, most of the younger Italians, the older Italians had no idea what was going on. But uh, <laughs> the city did quite well. They had it decorated. The famous Mole Tower in Torino was lit up every night with a big countdown with the days until the grand final started. They they did a great job in that respect. I always thought about it because like Italy is in general like country with a, a lot of cities where there's a lot to see. But like, you know, for me personally, Torino before Eurovision never came to my mind because I maybe, uh, you know, it's it's a it's not so commercial as maybe it should be. It's also not not so Italian as you would expect it to be, and and as a city itself, it was really really nice and it felt really great being there. And as you said, like there were some locals who just had no idea what was going on, 
that was so funny to see. Like once we got on the tram and there was this elderly lady and she was sitting there like almost by herself. And then uh, we passed the arena and suddenly like thousands of people just stormed in and she started to scream because she couldn't even get out of her stop anymore. Like uh, <laughs> some people had no idea what was going on. It must have been so weird. Like imagine your yeah, average sized city is suddenly full of people and you have no idea why. You're not used to about it, you know? That's maybe the main thing. And and also it's it's not a secret really that Italy isn't really a country which would be fond of Eurovision as, as itself. I mean, at the end of the day, Eurovision grow from Sanremo. Eurovision was made as a competition where all of the countries could forget about their political views for a night and just unite in music. So this is why they still have a thing for Sanremo, which is still a spectacular show. Super long and super exhausting, I would say. We know, mm. we all of us, we know that. But I think it's 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 always a great thing to 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 bring that vibe into your city because it's you know why not why not to celebrate diversity why not to celebrate you know different genres of music why not to discover you know so many wonderful artists and maybe to get close to to all that uni- unity which Eurovision is bringing together and we'll see we'll see how Italy does this year I mean Eurovision has only been on Rye One for a couple of years now. I remember years ago when they'd say, oh, it's coming on Rye 3. And then a few years after that, oh, it's up to Rye 2. And now they finally got it on the main channel. And I think most Italians, well, they all they all know Sanremo. But how many of those millions of Italians know Eurovision? It's still, I think, quite a small number. We'll see if the viewing figures are even close this year to what they were last year. They did quite well hosting it. But yeah. will, will those 12, 13 million Italians watch it again now that it's in Liverpool? Maybe it's a favor of Moneskin. Like, I mean, they brought this completely new story to to Eurovision while bringing with their own music, bringing the views and getting attention from the Eurovision. So this is also let's say, one of the things which is definitely, you know, um, one of the interesting parts to, to share with other people and to new generations who usually wasn't that connected to Eurovision. Now mm-hmm. you go to Italy and you say Eurovision, they say, oh, ma, ma, ma certo, una gruppa perfetta, man, it's, you know, and it, 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 it's, it's amazing, you know? So this is why, why there's so many good things about it. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, we also made other experiences with the artists outside of the turquoise carpet. On our first episode, we teased a little story with Dave from a certain singer. I don't know if you would like to tell that story. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, We got to meet Andrea from North Macedonia a few times. Uh, I had my giant uh, Macedonian flag at the press center. So she spotted that right away when they were taking pictures after, and she came over and grabbed that from me. And we got a few nice pictures. And then, of course, we saw her again at the turquoise carpet. When uh, she was all dolled up, I guess, in uh, in her custom, her, well, her favorite color we know is black. So she was all dressed up in black, and big smiles, big hugs. It was it was really cool to get to know someone who actually participated in Eurovision. It was kind of kind of crazy, actually. And it's crazy, like how much the city becomes a Eurovision city. We met so many artists, like just sitting there casually. Yeah, and so just sitting eating a gelato in the in the piazza there near the um, where they had the allocation draw, 
uh, a camera crew came by and I looked at my friend and said, was that PM Maria and Lumix? And he said, no, it couldn't be. So anyway, I got up and ran and followed them. And sure enough, it was just, just had to be sure I didn't do anything. Just wanted to know another up oh, check, seen that artist up oh, that one. Yeah. So you, they definitely thought, thought that you're not a stalker though, at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure about it. <laughs> no, well, they don't know who I am, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> And it's not even artists who are from 2022 who were competing that year. I was like walking outside and I suddenly saw Tom Hugo from Kano passing me by. And I was like, hi, Tom. And he said, hi, I have to catch a train. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I have actually quite an interesting story about it. I'm, I'm not even sure if I shared that with you guys. Uh, I remember one of the days back in the day, I think that was in between 2016 or 2018, I did an interview with Albanian singer who took part in Festivali Kengas, both in 56 and 57, Lorela Sedini. And in case if she's listening, I'm saying hi. Um, she was competing in, 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 the, in, the, in the national selection for Albania. And after we did this nice little interview, we kept in touch. And and um, she 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 lives in Torino, and I text her say, you know, do, do you want to go for a coffee or something? And then we had this nice afternoon on, on on some piazza, which was amazing. And we talked about Eurovision, her music, so on, so on. And at some point, uh, there was Monica from Lithuania who came by. You know, she was just sitting like two, maybe three tables away from us. And she was obviously having her team around. They were taking pictures, you know, of her casually having a coffee or something in the same place. And she was like, you know, I should, I really feel like I should go to her and to say that she's like an amazing artist and that I love her song. And I was like, I mean, why not? You go for it. No, I don't want to find girl, blah, blah, blah. It was so hilarious. And at the end, she ended up going there. And she had this like little chat with her and Monica seems like so surprised because she was, she wasn't, you know, like just jumping on her and, and they had this lovely chat. So this is what this Eurovision series is all about. You can just bump into, you know, contestants pretty much everywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's a shame for them because they, they really can't have any privacy, even though they're like in <laughs> country, but I think they, they really know how to embrace the whole thing. So, Sebi, this was your first time going and getting access to the press center. Jan, you've done it a few times already. So mm -hmm. we'll start with Sebi. How did you find your first ever Eurovision press center? What, uh, how was it? What was good? What was bad? It was crazy for me because I've been a Eurovision fan for such a long time. And like I've even recognized press people just from seeing them on YouTube. Obviously, they're also just people doing their jobs but it was like nice to see these people that i watched as a child basically and now being somehow working with them and like being colleagues in a way and it's just it gives you so much more access to all these people behind eurovision so lots of networking yeah <laughs> Uh, for me, the coolest thing was watching the press conferences in the room because I've followed Eurovision for years, even though it was the first time I was there on the ground and watched, well, hundreds of them over the years. But to be in the room and see how it all worked and how they ushered the artists out and then, you know, they play their song and then they go over by the wall. They've got all these posters up and they take all the pictures and you can talk to them and get a picture with them. It was, it was just, it was something 
I don't think I'll ever forget. And yeah. this year, especially meeting the members of OGA Ukraine, who were very uh, visible and yeah. very nice and very kind. They were so sweet. Uh, we saw them every day. That was really cool, too. Yeah, all the time. And they even got a big hug from Kalush Orchestra during the Winners' Conference. Yes, that was of course very touching. Definitely, definitely uh, worthy of them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, like this year was kind of special because I, I wasn't really ruining the tradition of it. And then 2020 happened and 2021 happened, you know, and it was pretty much for me, like there was like two years before this, you know, uh, chaos in May, as I like this to say. And press center as a press center was totally nice. I think I, I only had like positive experience about it. And yeah, I loved it. Okay, so we'll move on now uh, from Italy itself to the actual show and the actual results. So we'll start with the non-qualifiers in the semifinals. So what? Uh, we'll start with Sebi again. So what was maybe your, your non-qualifier that you were shocked that didn't qualify that you thought should have? So I have to say, and this doesn't happen to me often, but I was quite pleased with the finalists, with those who made it through with the final lineup. I think uh, each of them kind of made sense why they qualified. Each of them had a place in the final. Um, that is a lie. I know you're lying. Who am I lying about? <laughs> There's a certain bear that I think qualified for the final that you were kind of shocked about. I, I was maybe a little bit surprised, but I <laughs> am... Not bitter about him qualifying, at least. At I didn't. I didn't say bitter. I didn't say bitter. I said shocked. No, but like I, I was shocked, but I wasn't necessarily unhappy with it. And looking at all the non qualifiers, I can understand for most of them why it didn't work out. Like Albania, Secret was a kind of a fan favorite ahead of the show. But then the uh, live performance was just really lazy. Uh, there was no real else, yeah. choreography. Yeah. I think maybe my favorite song that didn't make it was actually one that I predicted as a non-qualifier. And that is uh, The Show by Ready from Denmark. I just think this could have been a really good song. And I think what killed it in the end was that it took too long to build because it starts off as a slow ballad and then like it becomes kind of a rocky song. Yeah, people tune out before they hear it change. Into right, yeah. exactly. And that's what I think killed it. But I still listen to that song a lot and I am really, I wouldn't have seen it in the final per se, but it's a decent track. It's a nice band and they... They had cool outfits as well. I actually asked them about their fashion in Torino. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Justice for full effect. <clears throat> <laughs> Thank you. True that. <laughs> I agree with that, yeah. <laughs> so, Jan, what about you? Who, who shocked you as a qualifier? Or sorry, as a non-qualifier? I would say if I go to semi-final one, one of the biggest shocks for me to qualify, first of all, was Switzerland. Because it was, I think it was the biggest surprise for everyone who 
who has been in the arena. Because, I mean, we're not talking here about quality or something. I mean, for me, it just didn't get there. But again, it's, again, my opinion. And as much as I respect all the competing mm-hmm. artists, it's just like in terms of a song, of a presence and stuff. And he qualified comfortably. He was in ninth place with 118 yeah. points. Yeah, exactly. But can I just say, for me, the biggest surprise qualifier was actually Iceland. They qualified against all odds. Yes, yes, they did. But like, you know, it can happen a lot of time. I I really never really follow the odds in terms of how, you know, a certain country can do it or cannot. When it comes to other, as Sebi said before, Albania was clearly fan favorite and staying in a semi-final was just like something I wouldn't predict. Um, also, but the rest was pretty much okay. I, I mean deeply inside of my uh my my pop heart i really hoped and i i waited until the last um qualification card to arrive to be austria but like sadly <laughs> that didn't happen either <laughs> But I will never, ever, ever forget the moment inside the arena. Because I think the only thing which was repeated with the same vibe of a way how they put the whole arena on their, you know, uh, together in a way that they were like jumping and dancing. There was only two acts in the whole semifinal one. And that was Austria and Moldova. Moldova was taking the roof down, you know? Yeah. And and also, I remember the moment when Austria was on stage. Pretty much the, the whole, like, um, Paralympico was dancing because the, the song was delivering the good vibes of it. And, and that was the most important thing. This is also, uh, even though I, I kind of get it why it didn't go through, but I'm sure... Like in the past, there there has been a lot of other acts who should have stayed in semifinals and they didn't. So um, that's pretty much it. But yeah, when it comes to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but when it comes to 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 the second semifinal, I think it's there. There wasn't such maybe Cyprus was a shocker, but Cyp- like the the Ella was actually amazing when we heard it but like somehow it just didn't work on the stage and for me i have to say i think was it i think it was or semi-final one or two but i predicted them all correctly but i would say it's semi-final one um but as i said and as we said before um the whole list of qualifiers were just were like just fine for me <laughs> what about you dave so this is where we this is where we start getting all of our hate mail. So I hope you're ready. Uh, so I agree with Jan. I I really thought Austria might do it, but again, that was based off of the uh, the single right that was released on Spotify, not exactly the live performance. I think Pia maybe let them down a little bit there. Uh, I was sad for Siti Zaini as well, um, and uh, you already said it, Sebi. Ronella's performance, I think, uh, was the nail in the coffin there. But uh, I still probably would have put her through and maybe taken Switzerland or Portugal out. <gasps> no, Portugal. Oh, puts me right to sleep. I can't. I can't <laughs> do it. This is an entertainment show. I want to be entertained. I don't want to get a blankie and a pillow and, and take a nap. Another injustice, though, in the first semifinal was Bulgaria not coming last. I don't know how LPS did worse than uh, than Intention by Bulgaria. So. 
Oh, we'll we'll that, move on. That's a shocker. That's, that's a shocker. that was shocking. Yeah, <laughs> that yes. was really bad. Um, semifinal two, I would again get ready for the hate mail. I would probably flip the table upside down, more or less. Uh, I wasn't overly disappointed that Georgia and Montenegro didn't qualify. Um, but I made two predictions after the press rehearsal of semifinal two. I said Brooke was going to qualify, and that ended up being wrong. That's Just because she elevated the performance so much. But she elevated it from being... From nothing to something. Really bad yeah. <laughs> to being just bad and not really bad. <laughs> I, th- I thought she was going to squeak through. And the other one that uh, I, I looked at and I said, that's going to qualify. And everyone else said, you're, you're foolish. Was uh, Armenia, who I'm very glad to say actually did. And we'll come back to her, obviously, in a bit. Um, and now I would have put... Uh, Andrea through, I would have put uh, Israel through, uh, yes, I would have, and San Marino too. I don't know. Hey, I Stripper was fantastic. I, I still remember sitting, sitting all the way back in the stadium and feeling the heat from the flames and the fireworks as they were going off. I couldn't believe it. It was, <laughs> it was spectacular. And then they wheel this mechanical bull out on stage. I mean, perfect. What else do you want? And I'm pretty sure that San Marino had the same problem as Cyprus. Like, both of them were really good live in the arena. But on TV, like, after the semifinal was over and we watched the clips on YouTube, like, we saw what the people on TV saw and it just didn't work as much on yeah, TV. It was the same, yeah. 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 Sometimes that can be a really painful to see because... I mean, once you're in the arena and you see this whole... Because you know what? Once you're over there in the venue, you treat Eurovision more like a huge festival with this lineup of 26 people, you know, or no, how many of Like around 18 to 20 people per evening, you know, or 26 in the final. But once you're on TV, you see it as a TV performance, you know, and it's differently... It's a different vibe in the venue if you compare that to the one you see on tv it's different atmosphere it's different lights you you see it differently and so this is also why i think a lot of performances aren't getting through just because of they don't think it they don't think it in in a way that they should be tv friendly too i was shocked coming home to watch it uh because i I didn't see it until i got back to canada obviously because just of the craziness of everything and if anyone out there is listening and wants to, to, to comment, let us know too. If you've been to Eurovision before your first time and come back and watch it on TV, it's like it's not even real. Because I, I, I came into this almost 10 years ago when I found Eurovision, and I've watched so many of the episodes or the contests on YouTube religiously, and have some of them memorized. But then I watched 2022, and it's, it's not real. It's like it didn't happen. Because I have all the memories in my brain from when I was there and what everything looked like. And then I see it on TV and it's like, hey, that looks like my memory. This can't be real. It takes time to process. Like I still process some of the events and I still remember some things that happened just like months later now. You only have time to reflect reflect after that, you know. So that's the charm of Eurovision. It's a nice time of the year. I, I, I always like to say it's... It's my Christmas of the year. I celebrate it more in May than yeah. I do in December. Uh, 
and and that's pretty much it. So this is why it's it's so special in in and it's not even the show at the end of the day. If you see from this point of view, it's not about what you see on screen, what you see on the stage. You know, it's all what's in the background, what's supporting this kind of you know your vision thing itself. So let's uh, let's jump in now to the actual final. So we'll we'll single out a few countries. Of course, we've got to look at the bottom of the scoreboard. Poor old Germany finished in last place, but not with null point at least. Look where we are. We used to be the rock stars. At least Mali that. can hold his head high. He got a, he got a few points from a televote, thankfully. Um, so, what do you guys think of of that? Was it deserved, or did he get uh, a raw deal there? It's hard to say. Like the song is not bad. Um, he is a very good singer. I think the problem was just that it didn't stand out at all in the final lineup. It was it performed at number thirteen, which was exactly in the middle. Like some people probably just tuned off and got something to snack or drink. Um, and yeah, Germany is wanted to go for the radio friendly song. And that is the problem because radio-friendly songs might do well I mean, in Eurovision, but they cannot only be radio-friendly songs. I mean, the poor guy went right after Ukraine, which was going to be tough enough anyway. And then, like you said, like I'll, I'll age myself here, but I mean, for me, the song sounded like something I would have heard on the radio in high school, so about yeah. 20 years ago. So for me, it was, it was nice. I mean, it's pleasant to listen to. It comes, it comes well. Not, it doesn't come on the radio here, but it comes on in the car on Apple CarPlay. I don't turn it off. But yeah, when it comes to Germany, I think it's somehow lately. It, I have this strong feeling they're like cursed because it just doesn't go well lately for them. I mean, in 2022 wasn't really the case. It, it wasn't like a bad song or whatever. It just, I think they don't have, you know, luck. But again, you saw the, let's say, Eurovision reputation of United Kingdom in the past years. And they pretty much, if you like it or not, you know, it's just a matter of fact. If you prepare your act correctly, if you prepare a good song, you can go from the bottom to the top easily. We all know how to do that if we want to. So it's pretty much, you know all about the song. There's no other recipe. And I really feel bad for Germany, even though they did really good like a few years ago. I, I believe Michael was in 2018, yep. Yep. was it? Was yeah. it in Lisbon? Yeah. So they proved that if they send a quality song, they can do well. They did a top five. Let's say in our case, Slovenia hasn't seen top 10 for more than 20 years. And we're still trying, which is amazing. <laughs> but, you know, at some point... You just have to focus on right, finding the right song. And who knows? I hope they will do better next year. Yeah, and we'll see if their new format goes well. They've ditched Germany 12 points and gone back to the Unser Lied format. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. It depends on the songs. If they give the audience quality songs to vote for, whichever one they pick will do well. Last year's sent final was a bunch of songs that weren't that great. It all depends on the broadcaster and which songs they put up to be voted for in the end. Exactly. Shall we go on? 
Yes, we shall indeed, indubitably. We will look obviously at Snap. Snap in one, two, where are you? The song everyone knows, the, the song that is baffling a lot of Eurovision fans, uh, came 17th in the televote, 20th overall. More or less unremarkable, very cute staging, a very nice little song. And it's gone on to become, at the time we're recording, the second most streamed Eurovision entry ever of all songs, of what, 1,700 plus songs. Um, Just under 450 million streams on Spotify as of today. So I I don't even know. Incredible. What do you you make of it? Yeah. Yeah. So when I first listened to Snap, I thought it was an okay song, a decent entry. I wasn't sure how well it would do. Um, I really liked the staging and she got to close the semifinal. And then I was sure that it would qualify basically the first time I saw the live performance. But then uh, she went on to the final and she performed in spot eight right between Norway and Italy. And I think I told Dave, like when we were watching the rehearsal of the final, oh my God, this doesn't stand out at all with this running order. And I can't see her doing pretty well. Yeah, it was too, she came too early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was too early in the running order. Yeah, not even early per se. Like, um, you can come early and still make an impression, but it just, it, something didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah. And maybe she should have come early. <laughs> I was proven right. Like she finished in 20th and I thought that was it with her, but then TikTok came and the radio stations picked up on it. I don't know. What do you guys think happened? Like, you know what's a strange thing here in Slovenia? You don't really... I mean, you can or hear super random Eurovision entries on the radio or you can hear this like kind of classic ones you know by heart for 15 years already. Um, let's say one of the good examples here is like Swedish Eurovision entries are making it here quite often. You can still hear Loreen with Euphoria. You can still hear Mons and Heroes. Uh, frankly, you can also very, very, very often hear France, the Swedish entry from 2016. Yeah, here as well, all the time. Why? All the it's time. Awful. It's awful. Going back to Rosalind, as for now, as the time we're recording this, she's sitting on the 71st place of Billboard Hot 100, which is, I think, amazing commercial success. And and who knows? Like, I mean, people were like having these different opinions on TikTok being involved in Eurovision, but somehow, let's say the example of Rosalind is working perfectly. Rosalind, Sam Ryder, and now this year we're seeing some national finals bring in TikTok wildcards. Germany is going to do yes. it, and a few others. So, but Dave, you said that you liked Snap pretty much right from the start when you first heard I, it. No, I found it uh, average. And I didn't know if it would qualify. I thought it would qualify as soon as I saw the first rehearsal when I saw the staging. Because yeah. uh, I saw the the um, saw it in the press room when they had the closed rehearsals, 
and was kind of paying attention, kind of not. They had the watermark across the screen. Um, thought she sang well, but that was about it. And then when we were in the arena for the first closed, re- well, the, the first press rehearsal, and I saw the whole thing, I said, holy crap, this is going to qualify. Given the fact, like you said, she closed the semifinal. That was the last performance. I said, she's got this in the bag. Other people that I was working with at the time laughed at me, and uh, I was pretty proud of myself. But then again, like I said, I said Brooke would qualify when <laughs> she did. So you can't win them all. No. But uh, we've been yammering around for a while, so let's quickly run through the top five. Sebi, I'm going to start with you. I'm giving you one minute because I know you could talk for hours about this. It's Constracta. <laughs> it's Serbia. <laughs> What do you make of that performance and her top five finish? I make a lot out of it. I have already said that Constructor was my favorite in 2022. It was the most sophisticated song of the year, the most artistic one. It was still catchy as hell. And uh, it was well-deserved. I still think that the juries robbed her blindly. She was in 11th place with the juries. Like the song that had by far the highest uh, lyrical standard, finishing 11th by the juries. I think that is questionable for professionals. But yeah, those are just my two cents. Uh, I was so happy when she received her televote points. Uh, I think Dave even recorded my reaction. Uh, not sure how proud I am of that, but yeah, um, I'm so glad. And I think this might be an entry that I would consider in my all time top 20, top 30 of all Eurovision songs, despite me not being a very modern Eurovision watcher, I'm more into the seventies and eighties, but Constructor just made such a huge impact on me. I think fifth place, big achievement, but she could have gone further. I think from I think from from my perspective, living in the region when somehow you know this entry kind of stood out out of the all former Yugoslavian countries was kind of surprisingly to see what amount of a support she was receiving everywhere because it was firstly a huge shock winning the Serbian national selection, first of all. And then at at some point, people were just grabbing. She was also trending here in Slovenia because people were like so confused. What what is going on, you know? And I think it was an amazing story that she was bringing in. Obviously, it wasn't, you know, for everyone, which is also amazing. This is why we have different tastes. but again, I think she could also go further. But at the end of the day, very, very, very well deserved from what she did. And the big pressure is now, I think, on the Serbian artist who is stepping into her shoes for this yeah. year. Because everybody would be expecting the same level, the same hype, the same, you know, kind of amount of uh, attention that she received. And um, yeah, we will see. Yeah, it's going to be hard... Hard for PZE, I guess, in Serbia to live up to to that again this year. Yeah. I'm not going to try and pronounce yeah. the title of this final because I'll just butcher it. <laughs> um, it's Pesmaz Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I'm not going to spend long on this. I, I, I mean, all of the performances are art in a way because they're musicians bringing their, their craft to the stage to share with everyone. 
Uh, I don't get the extra level of artisticness that everyone seems to get with this. I understand the lyrics. I've read them in English. Like, I, I just don't get it. To me, it's people jumping around on stage with towels, a lady with water on stage, which she's not supposed to have, according to the Eurovision rules, and a nice clappy bit in the middle that everyone seems to enjoy. And so did I. I clapped along as well. And it's over, and I'm done with it. You know, Bitty's drama. Bitty's drama. Bitty's drama. <laughs> That's it. God bless Constracta and Constractism. Yes. Uh, God moving struck. on to number, number four. Oh, no, no, no. She's not a god. <laughs> number four was lovely Cornelia Jacobs, who was, I think, destined to go to Eurovision this year. She dominated semifinal two, uh, about 150 points ahead of second place Australia. Although asterisks there, because a lot of those uh, points that got thrown out in that scandal, uh, those countries that cheated, uh, a lot of them went Sweden's way in the end. But regardless, she won semifinal two. She got fourth place overall. Um, catchy song. It took me a very long time to warm up to this one. But now, again, it's one of those that when it comes on, I don't turn it off. Uh, we'll start with Jan. What do you think of Cornelia? Oh my goodness! <laughs> um, yeah, uh, people people always said that like winning songs in Sweden or maybe all of them competing are having its advantage to ha have this you know this kind of generic songs. And I have to say, the Sweden the last few years served some really really basic songs. And a lot of them, in my honest opinion, and with all my love to this country, I don't think they deserved a place as they achieved. But like Cornelia really left her heart on the stage. And somebody who didn't feel that way for me is probably just not a human being. Yeah. Because she was telling a story and everybody could relate to that she was a winner of my heart because she was pretty much as i said she left her heart on the stage and i, I and i really felt that way and i still love that song to the bits and i will probably continue listening to that as much as i listen to let me be your halo <laughs> so it's it's pretty much you know um a fantastic fantastic song we've been um we've been we've been able to hear this year and to see and i really hope there's this uh one big, big, big career ahead of her coming. Yeah. She left her heart on the stage and she left every liquor bottle in the green room empty. God love her. Yes, she did. The ending that when she, she did as well. Yeah. And they were holding her up that <laughs> good for good for her. She deserved it. She yeah, she she yeah. had a great night. Sebi? And once I lost a few kilos, I will probably, you know, order my Seba top she was having on the stage <laughs> because like because why not? <laughs> yeah. And she was just always being herself. That's what I liked about her. Even if she was like drunk and almost out of it, she was still, it was still showing. And yeah, I love this entry. Um, I remember watching it for the first time in the first semi of Melody Festival and I loved it from the start. And I remember in semifinal two during the live show, in the arena like she got by far the loudest cheers and i thought maybe she might go all the way maybe she can even beat ukraine in that even in 2022 maybe she could have won it 
she ended up in fourth, which was still very good, but um, the emotion and the amount of like sincerity she put into that song and performance that yeah just touched me a lot all right now llego la mami la reina third place some thought she might do it bring spain the victory after 50 years of course chanel slow-mo this one i can listen to for hours on repeats to the chagrin of sebi um she was stunning on the turquoise carpet her performance all the rehearsals were flawless i don't think she could have thrown anything else at it uh she got a wreck load of televote points surprisingly did better than i think you know a lot of us thought she would with the juries as well so third place for spain i think um very well deserved and hopefully they they're going to bring something similar this year we'll see sebi so I was shocked when this won the national final. I never expected it. I was team Rigoberta, I mama all the way. I thought maybe Tang Jugairas would do it. And then it was Chanel, which probably nobody expected at all. And yeah, to be honest, I haven't been a fan of it. I just thought, yeah, it was another Fuego. Like, why isn't Cyprus sending this again? And I started warming up to it a little bit uh, when I saw the Eurovision performance because she just, as you said, did everything she could with it, like the dancing, the choreography, and the way she dances and sings so flawlessly at the same time. That was really impressive. I just still don't like the song. (laughs) To be honest, uh, for me, it's an okay dance song. Uh, it's fine. It's not the most original thing. I don't really get why so many people are obsessed with it or have been obsessed with it during the 2022 edition. But it's nice to see Spain taking the competition seriously again. And I'm glad it was rewarded. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do in 2023. <laughs> in my opinion, like I was super glad as another, that that's another example of, you know, selecting a song, which you can put all in. So Spain also wasn't doing really well in the last few years, just like uh, the rest of the big five. And even though she really received a huge backslash back home when she won the national selection. I'm happy for her that it got all paid off. You know, like it's 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 a song which is played pretty much everywhere. I only like after Eurovision, I expected from her to, you know, after all this hype, she would go and prepare something new, something as banger-ish as the slow-mo was. I completely understand why she ended up on the third place because, I mean, it was a whole package. She was a good-looking girl. Obviously not the the, the, the right, I would say, um, um, the right tar- target group for the Eurovision fans. But anyway, you know, who doesn't love the extensions, the the, the dramatic moves, the, the good-looking dancers, the, the, the singer who can dance and sing at the same time. So, you know, it's yeah. all of this kind of a package which you really have to work on to deliver what you want to do. So I think Chanel really did it well. And I really hope 
that Spain will be continuing in this kind of, you know, success. Even though it's not so usual once, you know, once the country is doing well, the following year, it happened so many times, you know, when they, you know, the, the following year right. can flop, <laughs> it doesn't happen and, and so on. Yeah. But, so, how about the United Kingdom? Blimey. My awful British accent. Blimey. I'm up in space Mr. Sam Ryder coming in second place, winning the uh, jury vote, of course. Uh, commentator Graham Norton was flabbergasted. He couldn't even breathe when it was all over. He was telling the, the British audience to, to calm down, basically, because they were actually watching real TV. It wasn't made up. It wasn't fake. And, of course, Sam stole the hearts of a lot of people across Europe. Um, maybe it's the hair. I don't know. Wait now, whose hair was better, his or Chanel's? <laughs> I think his is real, isn't it? <laughs> I would assume. Probably. Probably <laughs> he didn't go for an extensions. Maybe he did. <laughs> Maybe he did. We should ask him that. Um, Sebi, would you want to go for it for, for Sam Ryder's Iceman? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I thought when the song was released, uh, it was good. Um, it was better than the usual UK effort that we've known in the past few years. Um, That's so polite. I love that. I never expected it to go as high. Like, I was just watching it and was like, what is happening? Why? Like, what are, especially with the juries, like, uh, because he was doing so well with them. I was so surprised about that. But even with the televoting, like, he was fifth in the televoting, which was like great for him but i never expected that great effort another big five country which is suddenly back to the top i th i think with sam and now I, i might be a bit blind because of course we're so into eurovision we don't know what the average viewer who just turns in on the night to watch it and votes thinks but i think the media campaign that he and the bbc put off works i don't know right i don't know if if everyone who voted for him knew But, I mean, he's, like, you can't hate the guy. He's so happy and so positive and so welcoming and so happy all the time. How can you hate him? You just got to vote for him just for that. And then in the perform, he just whips this guitar out of nowhere, you know, and this massive staging they brought with it. It just, like, everything finally clicked. It took them over 20 years, but they finally did it. I really think that when it comes to UK being in the Eurovision Song Contest, I... I think that until this year, they really treated Eurovision as a joke. And they were not the only country in the competition treating it that way. And especially if you're a part of Big Five, when you know that you're... Also, like, if you're representing the country inside of the Big Five, you're also more exclusive because, you know, there's... From marketing point of view, there's only one performance. This one is going to be the one people will go after seeing the music video in case you were interesting, you know, and so on and on and on. Um, but the thing was that Sam Ryder, they, they really had this amazing, amazing marketing strategy with, with just firstly leaving the song on the radio. It was the worst kept secret, though. Everybody knew it's going to be Sam Ryder at the end. <laughs> I, I, I remember I remember reading an article and, and somebody said, um, the worst kept secret ever. Uh, of samurai that represent the uk but like as they've said he was like really 
Oh my god! And when I when I talk about chills, I talk about Spaceman. There was like two songs, only two songs in the whole competition of this year where I got chills, and that's Sweden UK, because they really delivered everyone in each and every way. He was so positive, so kind, so embracing to everyone. He was engaging with other artists, and he, I, I will never ever ever forget he um, on the on the night of the grand final how. When they were announcing vo- um, points, and the Switzerland uh, received their votes, which wasn't like really pleasant to receive, and Sam went there and he hugged the guy. And do you guys remember this huge amount of applause yeah. they received because it was like really, really nice and touching moment. So I mean, I was about three bottles of prosecco in at that point, so I don't remember it, but I've seen the clips. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I was happy to see that because, like, I'm pretty much sure that people in UK were o- always saying, "Oh, everybody hates us," because no, I, I won't be now. <laughs> but like, everybody hates us, you know. Like, uh, we left European Union, blah blah blah, so nobody's voting for us. No, people are not voting for you because you don't have a good song. But they, and they've always had excuses before Brexit. Yeah. Uh, Terry Wogan used to say, yeah. "Oh, they hate us because of the Iraq War." No, like, yeah. there's always a reason. Yeah. And it's a good example for other countries, like who used to not do well and who used to complain a lot about their results. Exactly, exactly. All about a good song, all about a good staging, and all about a good artist. That's it. There's a recipe. (laughs) Well, that's it. Speaking of good uh, songs, last but not least, Ukraine, who some people unfortunately forgotten have actually won the contest, even though it's being held in the United Kingdom. Of course, Kalush Orchestra's Stefania won with the biggest televotes ever. I mean, nothing has come close to that. Salvador Sobral couldn't. Alexander Rybak, Lorraine, none of them. Um, I think we all knew it was going to do well. Um, I was with Sebi for the final, and I can tell you, everybody in the room where we were, were waiting for the televote yeah. results to come in, literally on the edge of our seats, nobody saying anything, just waiting for Mika to say, was it 439 yeah, or whatever it was? Like that. And then, and, and silence after none of us said anything after, because the, the, the shock of that had to set in like countries have won with almost as many points, even since the new, the new vote. Yeah. Happened. So it's crazy. That, that was, it was amazing. Like Netta only had 500 and something. So, I mean, for a, just a televote to be over 400 points was incredible. I mean, was absolutely. Yeah. mind blowing. Incredible. I think well-deserved. Uh, another one of those songs for me that grew in Torino that I kind of didn't overly like before, saw the performance and went, yeah, yeah, that's going to do really well. Sebi? You know, I love it. Um, I wasn't really that happy. I mean, Ukraine never goes without drama. And this year, I will say, I will is an exception, maybe. 2023 but like last year of course it was a huge drama um maybe we dedicate an entire episode to that at some point but um i wasn't that happy with kalush orchestra going for ukraine in the end but they just killed it in torino like that live performance was amazing and like I know that they have many haters and people say that they wouldn't have done well without the situation uh, in Ukraine, but nobody can deny how that song hits you. 
like that chorus, that rap part, that like, how do you describe la 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 in words? Like, it just hits you on a whole different level, and it's so catchy, and like everyone can sing along to the Stefania Mamo Stefania part. Um, it's a really great song, and I'm sure it would have done well in Eurovision any other year. Would it have gotten 400 points? I don't know, but it would have always been a very good Eurovision entry, regardless of what's happening in the country. Definitely. Mr. Jan. I'm... <laughs> okay. So, I have to say that I was pretty much bigger fan of the song which actually won the national selection last year. Yeah. Um, and I went to Torino with, with the, not with the knowledge, but with the, you know, whenever you go and when you travel to Eurovision, you always have like these three, four names who are potentially in the game for a win. And this time it was different. I, knew all along so there was no excitement in in a way of oh who should who will win or whatever so this is why i knew that sweden has no chance i knew that even though like they're putting hope so high for uk they have no chance about it and i knew at the end that ukraine is going to have it um the song is not bad at all and i completely agree it would end up top five in any other year for me personally, but again, personally, it wasn't a winning song um, because let's say Shum, if I compare anything to Shum, it's, it's, it's so unbelievable. So it's, it's a song which deserved to win, in my opinion. Yeah. But again, yeah. I know that pretty much they received a vote for a good song which we cannot say it wasn't but uh i'm pretty sure that the current situation helped a lot that's i mean that's quite an obvious choice and i was happy for them in a way of delivering a message with what they are dealing right now yeah i can't say it did nothing to me but like let's say it it goes far from that from what i felt with uk from what i felt with sweden from what I felt in a banger way of Spain had it or Serbia, let's say it's yeah. miles from that. But like as I said, it's it's um, it's a great thing that they did it and that they delivered the message. So I'm I'm pretty much. I think, sure. I think what you're saying is like it hit home more. Any other year, that song would have been just fine. Yeah. But in the back of your mind, you know what they went through exactly. to get to your vision exactly. and what's going through their minds, worrying about their families back home. It just elevates it yeah. to another level that none of the other songs this year could achieve. The thing which I love about Ukraine is they're always, but I'm not kidding, they're always bringing something fresh. They're always bringing something, you know, some... Except when they host. They always bring... <laughs> yeah, they always bring something Ukrainian to the stage. You know, they, they bring a little bit of the country on it whenever to perform. There's not a lot of countries. So it was a good song. We cannot say it wasn't a good song. Um, so um, I'm happy today that they did it. So this week, uh, I'm going to ask the questions and we're going to play our little game to see if we can get some points on the board finally for one of the two of you. 
So I've chosen a song, and I've got three clues to see if you can guess what <laughs> song it is. In, you, in all of Eurovision history, like I said, there's about 1,700 songs to choose from, so this should be pretty easy. Of course. Okay. <laughs> right. So your first clue is that this song comes from a country that just left Eurovision this year. In other words, they were in Torino, but they won't be going to Liverpool. Okay. That narrows it down a lot, actually. It does. I thought it was a very good first one. Yeah. Be, <laughs> oh, my God. It could be Montenegro. It could be Bulgaria. It could be... North Macedonia. North Macedonia. Yeah. Okay, I'll go for a wild guess, and I will say North Macedonia, because I know Dave's, Dave being attached to, to circles last year. So. Yes, I love circles. I love Andrea, but I that would have been too easy, yeah. so it's not that. No. Okay. So we move down uh, to the second clue. So for two points, this song was also released in Italian and finished. It's Reef, Reef by Bladana. Bladana. You're both horrible. The third yeah, tell clue us anyway. is going to be amazing. Peacock dress. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the designer of that dress is not listening because nah. you know. well the designer of that dress only got it to Torino literally the day of the first yeah. rehearsals so the designer of the dress should learn a lot about that was tough. So do we both get two points now <laughs> yeah, that was kind of simultaneous I'll, I'll have to give you Always both two points sync. which kind of screws me over <laughs> but uh, yeah that's yeah. it we hoped you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know if you agree with us. If you disagree with us, uh, you can reach us on Instagram on building underline bridges underline podcast. Do we have any final words, guys? I'm happy that you've been all with us. I hope we, we shortened up some time of yours and that you enjoyed our company. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be there for you anytime you want. Maybe that sounded wrong, but it sounded the way it did. So until we hear each other next, it's, it's, that's it from us. I concur to everything you understood. <laughs> so we'll see you soon. Thank Bye. you. Ciao.